right, Dave. This is legit. <laughs> Did you expect anything less? You don't really know what to expect. Right? I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty with podcasting in that I've, you know, I've talked to people who, uh, you know, they want to start doing podcasting and they're, you know, they always ask, what do I need or what do you have? And really, all you really need is you can just have a phone or like a tablet. It doesn't really right. take much. And, you know, you'll see some other people setups and they'll have all the cameras and all the mics and all of the things. And it really doesn't have to be yeah. that complicated. You know, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of weird, man. You can just kind of slowly build just a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you have some pretty cool shit going on. Yeah. I mean, I think people just kind of over glamorize it and go big all at once at the very beginning. And then, yeah. like, quickly burn out at the, like, within the first two, three months. Yeah. 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 People have a tendency, I think to do that with a lot of things oh absolutely you probably see that a lot in your profession right i mean yeah when it comes to performance or health or just movement everybody wants to have everything right now yeah i mean i think social media has kind of plays a huge factor in that right yeah. like i mean fitness influencers and all these coaches and everybody sees like the cool foot drill and the cool cone drills and you know coaches being motivational no one really sees the off hour work that we put in and then once they get into the field and they think they're all in and all of a sudden they have a 4:30 wake up time they got a 5 a.m session and then they don't get back home until 9 30 at night it's like holy moly this is not what i expected at all right there's a lot of work that goes into being an, an overnight success or there's some sort of high performer absolutely and i mean that's why i don't take you know social media is a cool tool but i think all it is is a highlight reel yeah, dude. You know. I've become very much just disenchanted with the thing that we call social media. So much so to where I'm trying to find this balance because right. I think it is important to, at least for me, with the things I'm doing, um, I think it's important to utilize that tool, you know, uh, to whether it's to get sales or to market or advertise or uh, whatever the case may be to kind of get your message out there it can be great for that it can help connect people like we connected on social media so it's super right. cool in that way right but man to your point it's a highlight reel so many people i think just take too much stock in what is happening on social media not realizing that that's not real life by yeah. any stretch of the imagination yeah absolutely because i mean i mean going back to the field that we're in right like you got people putting out content every single day and and doing all sorts of cool stuff. But at the end of the day, that may be five, ten minutes of the actual session itself. Mm -hmm. And then the other stuff that actually gets people better is the less glamorous. We're going to back squat. We're going to do a bench press. We're going to do something you see at your everyday club fitness. It's not an entire hour's worth of cool shit. It's mm -hmm. maybe five, ten minutes of some fancy stuff. But, I mean, something that I've talked with fellow coaches is simplicity works, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the more simple things is, better off it actually really is. Yeah. It saves you headache. I find myself saying simplicity is key often in, the, yeah. in many different regards. I, I think I tend to relate it more towards jujitsu. Mm -hmm. um, but in the way of, you know, as – so for the, for the folks listening – um, you work at Exos Sports Performance, correct? Yeah. Mercy, Mercy Mercy Sports Performance powered by Exos. Okay, perfect. Thank you for, for yeah. that, that <laughs> mouthful. Um 
So you do a lot of like rehab with people, right? As well as just just helping with sports performance as a whole. Am I explaining that right? Or yeah, yeah. Tell the folks what you do. Yeah. So we're kind of just like a mix of all three populations you can actually work with. We mm-hmm. do a lot of late stage rehab for um, ACL tears, uh, shoulder labrum tears, hip labrum tears. So basically, what happens is Mercy is the client of Exos, and so we work for Exos, not Mercy directly. And so Mercy will funnel us um, patients who's gone through early stage rehab with their um, physical therapists. And then the physical therapist will send them to our program called Bridge. And the tagline for that is, you know, the bridge back to the field or uh, bridge back to your return to sport protocol. Okay. Um, And so it's a lot of late stage, like four months out, five months out of surgery. Um, So that's a pretty big part of what makes Mercy happy. And then another uh, um, program that we have for us is obviously the sports performance side. It's in our name. So lots of hockey athletes. I want to say 95% of our athletes are hockey athletes. Got a few soccer players, got a few lacrosse players, uh, got some football players that have come through. And then obviously Gen Pop um, and they're freaking rock stars, man. Our Gen Pops half the time works harder than our athletes just because they have a goal to get to. Right. Um, And then. After those big three, really, it's a free-for-all. Like, you know, schedule a time with us. You want your team to come work out with us? Let's get it in. Let's let's go for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so you're working with all different populations. Yeah. So I guess to the original point we're talking about, social media can probably make your job a little difficult. Do you get people coming to you and say, hey, Dave, this is what I saw. Can we do this? Or what are your thoughts on this? And then you're, you're constantly just having to field questions and just different things from, from the chaos of social media yeah man <laughs> i mean going back to like the highlight reel right like a lot of this one of the big things that we work on a lot is basic foundational movements and so we'll have some of these athletes like hey like i trained with so-and-so from this gym back in the day and we would do all these footwork drills like ladder drills man ladder drills are one of my biggest pet peeves like you don't like them? I, I don't like ladder drills when people say it helps you increase speed. Okay. I think ladder drills are a great way to kind of wake somebody up and get their mind to think where their feet are. Yeah. Right. And so it's kind of like a misconception. And so some of the kids are like, why don't we do ladder drills to get faster? And it's like, well, I mean, if you really get down into the science of it, ladder drills has a place in the, in the gym. I'm not completely trashing ladder drills, but there are different modalities and different methods to get you faster than trying to move your feet as fast as you can. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you're on the court or you're in the ice or in the field, right, the, the fastest athlete moves their feet the less but covers the most distance, right? If you're taking a ton of steps to get to your um, – from point A to point B, you're probably not covering a lot of distance per stride. And so we're trying to create an adaptation that allows the athlete to – get from point a to point b with the less with the least amount of foot contact or i'm sorry ground contact in the fastest amount of time yeah so so the like being able to essentially have more output with less yes right yeah okay so then i guess is the idea then you think most people are just kind of have too much they just put too much uh like faith in or i don't know just too much weight on ladder drills like like that's going to be the thing because in my mind i guess a ladder drill 
I guess I can see the benefit and just kind yeah. of the footwork, just yeah. you know, consciously moving your feet in different patterns and maybe not crossing your feet or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I guess it would make more sense to probably just increase like your your muscle output, yeah. wouldn't it? Absolutely, and I mean, again, ladder drills have a, have its place, right? right? Like right. If, if you're trying to create, let's say you're working with not a newbie, but a little bit younger age or just training age is a little bit newer or you're just trying to motivate your athletes like it's a fun tool to use for like competition it's a fun way to wake the brain up or even just kind of creating that proprioception that mind to muscle connection Mm -hmm. of where your feet is at um but again the the idea that ladder drills all of a sudden makes you makes your you know four yard dash go down by two to three seconds is usually not the case people think that We've had a few people, you know, ask about that where it's like, hey, my flying 10 times where they're spraying for 10 yards and then and uh, and then there's an, another 10 yard section where it's being timed. It's like, hey, my flying 10 time is this number. If I do this ladder drill, will it decrease that number? It's like, not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah, man, that's interesting. That's interesting. You yeah. probably come across a whole bunch of just different thoughts and ideologies that just don't make sense. Absolutely, man. Like. And I mean, I'm not one to bash anybody's training math. It's just because I don't know what the thought process is. Yeah. But there's been some stuff on social media where it's like, okay, I mean, that's yeah. a, that's interesting. There's some wonky stuff out there, dude. Bro. You, you, know what I mean? Bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of the stuff that's been showing up on Sports Center, like, have you seen the videos of those guys like doing pull-ups with the bench attached to their waist and they got chains and everything? Yeah, dude, I saw something just the other day, and I, they are obviously doing it just for clicks. But this one dude was planked out, and he's on his ab roller, and they had they had <laughs> the roller on a treadmill going, and this dude was standing on the guy's back who's planked out, and he's doing these curls. Yeah, what in the world are we doing, guys? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it looks cool. Yeah, it, it, looks, it cool. looks like it's a like, circus. Yeah, like. Social media, though. Oh, right? absolutely. I mean, whatever gets the views, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. That's wild, dude. That's yeah. wild. So how did you – so, I mean, we were kind of talking beforehand, and yeah. I, I, I do kind of want to go over kind of your journey more, but yeah. how did you, you know, dive into this world of sports performance and, and everything? Yeah, I mean, I grew up an athlete my entire life. Okay. Right? Like, we were talking earlier. I grew up in an island – and which island you were in hawaii right yeah hawaii <laughs> hawaii um, is it hawaii or hawaii technically it's hawaii hawaii yeah like a v yeah oh yeah wow. in in the hawaiian language w's are pronounced with a v okay yeah so it's hawaii hawaii yeah oh, okay but i mean mainstream culture right it's just it's hawaii I know, but <laughs> still yeah <laughs> um but grew up on the island of oahu okay uh in a little city to the left of Pearl Harbor called Eva Beach. Okay. Yeah, so went to the largest public high school there. Um, went to Keoneula Elementary, Alima Middle. Shout out Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> How many people in your high school? Uh, my graduating class had 400. Okay, so it's a good size school. Good size school. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say total was maybe around 1,600, 1,700 people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a terribly small school at all. No, it's it was massive. Because you said you're in a small town, so yeah. Usually small towns be small schools, but you're in like a decent sized town. Yeah, I mean compared to the mainland, it's a smaller city. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, I mean, your stereotypical island boy, right? Like grew up surfing, uh, paddle boarding, free diving. 
um, snorkeling, all this, just all my time outside, out in the ocean, mm. um, longboarding when the swell wasn't right, you know, just hanging out with friends. So I was always active. And then when I was younger, I played soccer, uh, found out really, really fast that I hated running. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my coach would always try to put me at midfield just because I could cover a lot of distance, but I would gas really, really fast. So okay. I was like, dude, put me at defense or put me at forward. I hate midfield. Mm. So either or, right? One yeah. extreme or the other. Yeah, keep me on one end of the field or the other, but not Right, I don't want to run the whole field. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so played soccer, and then I got into wrestling. Mm. Um, so wrestled all throughout middle school into freshman year of high school. And around the same time, um, I got into boxing as well. And from middle school all the way through high school and uh, freshman year of college, um, started officially boxing. So boxing was your kind of your sport of choice. That, that was that was in my, high school. Yeah, bro, you quit wrestling in high school? I did, man. Come I did. Come on, bro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's all right. It's okay as long as you did it. As long yeah. as you did it, dude. Yeah. So my son. He's uh he's fourteen and he's he's about to be a freshman yeah. this year and he wrestled last year for the first time like I wrestled in high school yeah and I think there are just so many benefits from just doing hard things in general especially with wrestling it, yeah. it forces a lot of people to do that so I always tell him dude you're gonna be happy that even if you don't do it forever like you're gonna be happy that you did it even just for a little bit like yeah. I don't know if I've ever met uh, an adult male who either wasn't happy that they wrestled or if they didn't wrestle, wish that they did. Yeah. Like I met so many people who wish that they did. Bro, it just there's just so much discipline when it comes to um individual sports. Right. Uh, like that, right? Like yeah, wrestling. Yeah, you transitioned right into boxing, right? Yeah. 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 But I mean, I remember being in middle school and we would have two conditioning days and two um skills days where we'd learn a takedown, single leg takedown, double leg takedown, that kind of stuff. And then we would have a conditioning day in between each. And I mean, they ran us to the ground, man. Like, I remember P90X was one of the big ones. They put on P90X on this giant screen and <laughs> would have the whole wrestling team doing it all together. So there was that camaraderie. Yeah. But still, P90X sucked. Dude, P90X is a tough program, dude. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was our off-season program. Really? Yeah. Dude, when I first started fighting, I was um, I was an independent fighter, so I didn't have a gym. I was just yeah. working all the time. And uh, I had a friend who was who wrestled, and we would train together a little bit. But I would do some of those P90X videos, especially I would do the yoga one because yeah. the yoga one was actually pretty tough. And I would do the abs. Dude, I'd be so wrecked after those two. And then I'd yeah. do like the stretching video. I pretty much only did those three videos. I've actually never done the entire P90X thing i think i did the kempo karate video a couple times yeah but there's some pretty pretty tough that, pretty tough workouts especially <laughs> for some kids in middle school dude you guys are dude, probably tired as hell dude. <laughs> well it was also during the time do you remember um do you remember jack 3d that yeah. workout <laughs> dude <laughs> cocaine bro that, it was we were doing those conditioning days around the time jack 3d was super popular and so i mean everyone would just dry, dry scoop yeah, a, dry a scoop, scoop or two and you so you'd have an entire cafeteria full like 30 plus middle schooler kids just jacked out of their mind doing p90x like testosterone <laughs> overload let's go coach <laughs> they're like can we run a mile after this it's like no probably shouldn't that's funny dude yeah so you fought a lot then as a kid huh yeah man i mean technically my fighting journey started um late middle school early high school 
that was the you know the one that was watched and that was actually safe but i mean just grow grow a lot of people have a misconception about hawaii i'll say that is people think people look at hawaii and they see paradise and you know they see beautiful beaches and all these scenery scenery and everything um the local side of hawaii is a lot rougher mm-hmm. um especially on the south side where i'm from okay it's not the ghetto but it's it's not waikiki and so i mean there's spots in hawaii where i wouldn't feel comfortable going just because i'm from the south side and you know that kind of stuff so i mean started meaning like you know what's there so you wouldn't go there more like they know where side i'm from and so it's very ter- territorial oh yeah okay. where it, it's it's like man if you're from the south side you don't go to the west side if you're from the west side you don't go to the south side really? yeah how do they know that you're from there though just because they know you or is there something that you're doing that gives you away usually both like it's <laughs> <laughs> very territorial right so i mean south side boys we dress a certain way and we have these necklaces and west side boys dress a certain way and i mean of course like you want to be you're proud of where you're from and so mm-hmm. if someone asks where you're from it's like oh i'm from the south side yeah you're like you're, you're not gonna, gonna deny it gonna so, <laughs> you gotta rap where you're from you know so i mean it's it's sad that that's where it's at um hopefully it changes at some point in the future just to like growing up a little bit and having a little more maturity it's like why the hell are we why the hell do we care mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. why i don't care if you're from the west side dude you know? being a young man is tough yeah it really is i say this all the time and i'm man i sometimes i feel bad even saying it but really dude the most dangerous people walking this planet are young men between about the ages of 18 to 25 and the reason i say that is because really anybody between those ages but men especially because when you're 18 to 25 you know you're old enough to really start getting into some shit you're kind of viewed as an adult there's going to be consequences that's every that's going to follow you for sure but your brain's not fully developed yet right and you're completely irrational and you're usually full of testosterone hormones you kind of want to prove something right so you're not thinking things through and you're more likely just to do rash things yeah so man that's just a very weird time in life did you notice once you got how old are you i'm 26 26 so yeah. you're, you you just hit it just so, hit it. So, <laughs> i'm clear i'm good well just have you noticed like recently in your life like you're kind of like looking at things differently or viewing things differently yeah man absolutely just like i've i've done a lot of um self-internal work that was my goal turning 26 is i want to be a better person mm-hmm. and it, i really try to work hard and trying to see issues i might not agree with from the other side right outside perspective where mm-hmm. it's like man why did this person um treat me like this or why did this person say this it's like well you know right their home life might be x y and z so i can't i can't retaliate i gotta show them grace because i they're right. going through this so yeah so you're probably better able to you know have that perspective right have a little bit more empathy yeah i don't i don't know if if we're really if your brain is able to think in that way before a certain point, I think some people can, obviously yeah. there's never, there's always outliers. There's never this broad yeah. sweeping statement, but for a lot of us, I notice it, especially in my little, my, so I have two younger brothers. Um, yeah. And the middle one, he was the typical black sheep, just kind of wild child. Yeah. Just a lot of, you just got into a lot of stuff. And, uh, 
but he's 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 29 he'll be 30 in march Mm -hmm. and he's just a completely different human and right around 26 27 he just something changed yeah and it's it's just weird how when you're young you're just so narcissistic and selfish you're not really able to see it from other people's perspective but it sounds like you're kind of in a place to where you're analyzing things from other people's points of view now yeah absolutely i mean kind of going back to this whole social media thing right like kids are forced to grow up so fast nowadays like the people they're following who they're surrounded with everyone's got to look put together and i don't think kids nowadays and even in my generation was allowed enough time to kind of be a kid Mm. and so everyone's rushing to kind of look in their early 20s everyone's rushing to be the guy or be the girl and they don't allow themselves time to process emotionally where it's like okay my actions did this this is the consequence it hurt this person or it affected this person in this way how am i gonna you know kind of try and resolve the situation so i mean that's again another effect of social media is just that rushing but totally agree with you man that 18 to 25 age range it's it's very selfish i remember i it's very selfish very all about me how can i prove myself how can i you know um separate myself from my peers especially being a former athlete as you know it's like okay well i'm done competing what's next you know now what yeah yeah because there's a lot of identity tied to the things that you do especially when you're young yeah 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 yeah. maybe i think a better way because i said i said 18 to 25 like those are the most dangerous people but really maybe that's just the most kind of like dangerous difficult time in life for a lot of people right because now we're like hey you're an adult go 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 live life but in your early 20s you feel so lost yeah you feel like you're behind you feel like you're supposed to have things figured out and it's it's a very um confusing hard time for a lot of people it really is dude it really is i remember i remember senior year of high school like staying up at night like stressed out of my mind anxiety uh through the roof and everything it's like man i'm turning 18 soon like I'm supposed to have my career. I know I'm supposed to know what my career is. I'm supposed to know what college I'm supposed to go to. I'm supposed to know how to how to apply for a mortgage and how to get pre-approved for a loan. And you know, I'm supposed to be married by 23. And it's a lot of societal pressure, man. It's and it's a, it's a shame, really, because I mean it, that age time is just so confusing. There's so much coming at you, mm-hmm. and it's it's impossible to process all of it. Yeah, and so people turn to other things to kind of lash out and let that frustration out. And sometimes it's just an unhealthy way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The boxing help you with that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, just like getting into fights, you know, your typical, um, hot headed middle school kid who would get into fights in school and, you know, sports helped a little bit with that aggression, especially wrestling. Um, but boxing, man, like, I tell I I told my friends all the time. It's like, dude, I get to fight people and I don't get in trouble for it. Yeah, like, this is so cool. <laughs> How old were you when you got your first fight? My very like yeah, like your real fight, not boxing, just a fight. Real fight? Yeah. Second grade. Okay. Yeah. What happened? Um. So, his name was Devonte. Uh, second grade, man. It's it's one of those things where raise your hand, ask to go to the bathroom, and teacher only lets you know two or three at a time. So I'm in the bathroom. Um, doing my thing, this kid all of a sudden just shoves me into the wall. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, 
what the hell, man? What's going on? You know, as a second grader, you're like, your instinct is either one, to cry, or two, I'm going to get you back. Mm -hmm. Right? So, started getting after it. Like, I, I remember I threw a kick at him and started throwing punches. And I don't know how he heard it, but the assistant principal of the school I was at at the time heard it, like, dragged us out. And I spent the rest of the day in, like, this makeshift little, like, it wasn't a prison cell, but, like, he barricaded me mm -hmm. in this section in the library. Oh, really? And I remember it to this day, man. Like, one of his words to me were, you want to act like an animal? I'm going to treat you like an animal. Mm. And that affected me a lot. I was like, well, am I an animal? Oh, so really? So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to continue acting out. Man, you know, the power of words yeah. and how we use them, can, especially for people in, in positions of, of authority like that, you know, of, of such just impressionable young people the slightest words and i don't think he probably meant that to have such a harsh effect but it sounded like that was like a you took that to heart for sure yeah dude that's wild yeah man because i mean growing up like i had no father figure mm. right like my mom was married uh to this guy which i mean wasn't the best guy like i was physically and emotionally abused from the time i was seven to 16 and so that was my father figure, mm. right? And so lost young man trying to find his way in the world, and then he gets told these words. I mean, you got nothing else to kind of re like negate that statement. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yep, I'm an animal. Dang. Yeah. And then that just kind of sends you down a path. Yeah. Yeah. So then that, that kind of affect like the, the people you chose to hang out with and the, th and the things that you chose to do? Oh, absolutely. Like, I hung out with the tough guys, right? <laughs> you know? I mean, you're Southside boys. Southside boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you, you know, trying to find your crew and find people that make you feel good and feel like a man and feel protected, right? Because yeah. I, I didn't have that at home. Like, my mom is an angel, tried, tried her best. But you're out in the world. You're trying to find your way. You gotta, You need that male father figure, male figure in your life to kind of help steer you, steer you along the way, right? And so, didn't have that. Hung out with the guys that actually was like, hey, man, you're dope. Like, let's hang out. Let's do this. Let's yeah. do that. Unfortunately, it was the wrong kind of people and just getting into fights. Yeah. You know, doing all sorts of things we shouldn't be doing. So, Dang, yeah. You were in a gang. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of. A, li a little bit. Your neighborhood crew. Uh, it was for protection, right? Were you an only child? No, I had a little. I have a little brother and a little sister on my mom's side. Okay. Yeah, crazy thing is on my dad's side. So I'm a, I'm a bastard child. On my on my biological father's side, I've got eight siblings that mm. don't know I exist. Really? Yeah. So if you guys, you know, hear this, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar situation in that you know my parents, they had me in high school. So it was a month like I was born, and then like the next month my mom turned 18, and then mm. like a couple months later like my my dad turned. Uh, 17 mm -hmm. so they were real young and, and my real dad was never really in the picture he's he's just a fucking animal like he's just, yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't say he's a winner <laughs> yeah and so i have you know i grew up with like i said my two little brothers um is my mom and my stepdad and um and, the, and my brothers so that's their dad and i consider my stepdad my dad mm -hmm. but my real dad my biological father he has I think like five other kids. 
Holy moly. And two of them, the two youngest ones, I think are the same ages as my kids. So it's really Dang. Yeah, dude, it's really weird. So I'm I'm actually very close to um my next the 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 next youngest kid that he had, which is my sister, Raven. Mm-hmm. We didn't connect until probably I was probably 22 or 23, like whenever I moved back here from San yeah. Antonio, Texas is when we came. So probably around 2011, 2012, so about the last 10 years. And we're like super cool. Yeah. But um, it's just a weird – life is weird, dude. It life is. Life is really weird. It is, man. Like, I mean, my brother and my sister, like, love them to death, but they're my half-brother, half-sister. Like, we all – all three of us have different dads, mm. right? So um, super cool. Um, they're still with me, but – I mean, my mom was 18 when she had me, and my biological father was 36. So he had a whole family already set up. Mm. So I'm the youngest of the nine on his side. So you're the youngest out of everybody, or of his side. On his and side. And then you're the oldest out of the moms. Yeah, kids. so again, I mean, got a lost young young dude, like no father figure, older oldest, um, oldest brother, supposed to be an example for these two. So it's like, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, dude, that can I can imagine how that could probably lead to some frustration, and then also, yeah. you know, uh, probably a, a, this feeling of needing to prove yourself or to make some sort of way to lead, you know, the other siblings that you do have. You know, it's really weird, man, like, trying to trying to become a man when you're still just a boy. Oh, absolutely. That'll lead you to some weird places. Yeah, cause it's like I had no example of healthy masculinity right like my examples of of masculinity were you know boys that got angry fast wanted to fight fast um treated girls like shit yeah so it it was there was no healthy um uh example for me yeah so was there a time to where you got you know you're because you surround yourself with these with these other boys who um, like you all are kind of like growing up together in yeah. a way. There's no real healthy influence there. Was there a moment where you kind of like look around and at the people and you say to yourself, you know, this isn't for me or something clicks or what was that like for you? Bro, so it was probably one of the scariest times of my life. So it was freshman year of high school. And the way our, our high school was set up was we had a big um, outdoor sitting area. And then cafeteria was right there. You walk out the cafeteria, and there's little um, platforms, right? And so me and my boys, we had our food and everything. We were sitting outside, like, just talking, like, really weren't trying to start any trouble or anything. And apparently, um, there was another kid that looked at one of my boys wrong, and so he got mad. Mm. And um, we started chirping at him. The other kid started chirping back. So... You know, one of your boys starts getting into it. You got to back him up. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So, you know, put on the face, like, what's up? You know, what's going on? And I remember just, like, being hyped up until, the until you know, the situation happened. So put our food down. We walk over. And out of nowhere, one of my boys, like, kicked the kid in the face and knocked him unconscious. So the guy's like down on the ground he's, at that moment? He's down on the he, ground at that moment. And I'm like... Basically football kicks him in the yes. face. Mm. Like they had to call the EMT and everything. And I was like, what the hell? He didn't do anything. He was just talking. You know, so that's when my morality kicked in. I was like, you did not have to do that. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, the kid is 12, 13. Like, come on, man. 
Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, something's not right. I don't want to, I don't want to be influenced to kick somebody in the face just because they looked at me wrong. Right. No. So that kind of started triggering. Where I was like, dude, I gotta do something different, man. This is not right. Yeah. Because what does it mean to look at somebody wrong? I shoot, dude. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only the person who gets upset could, could probably define that. And yeah. At that point, you know, you gotta ask yourself, why are you letting? trivial things is at the end of the day something like there's always something deeper right yeah. you know what i mean i mean you talked about that kid in, in second grade there's probably something going on with that kid at home mm -hmm. to make him want to just lash out against just some person for whatever reason yeah yeah absolutely yeah, hurt people hurt people 100 percent, man and that's that's kind of a cycle that i wanted to break because i could feel myself kind of heading down that path just mm -hmm. with like you know short temper and going off on people and you know calling people out to fight and i mean thankfully i matured uh after after high school and i think it um i did a lot of work to kind of realize that i was not in a healthy place mm -hmm. um but you just really don't know what other people are going through and so i'm a big believer in speaking kind speaking kind words and you know treating people and uh, with kindness, he's seeing the best in people and still proven otherwise. Mm. Yeah, man, just be a good person. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. There's, there's a few exceptions where it's like, holy shit, you're, you're, you're a piece of work. Yeah, no one's perfect, dude. <laughs> have you read that book, The Four Agreements? I have. Yeah, super simple book, right? But yeah. I mean, just um, never assuming anything, like yeah. making assumptions. I can that that can go you know a long way, or just being impeccable with your word, or you know, yeah. doing always trying your best. I mean, just simple little things yeah. can go a very long way. What's the other one? Be impeccable with your word. Always do your best. Never assume anything. Something about time. I don't know. I don't know. It's not <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. What are the four agreements? Four agreements. should just be like when you search something, it's, it's gonna you, be you, super simple you <laughs> yeah no, you hope it's just like an easy i'm hoping i can just find it okay here we go. yeah impeccable with your word oh don't take anything personally yeah, yeah. don't make assumptions always do your best yeah don't take that don't take anything personally that's a big one that's it's, a big it's one it's hard bro it really is dude because that ego gets bruised bro yeah someone says something to you and you're like wait a second yeah hold up yeah <laughs> you're why are you challenging me yeah i mean especially in in the fitness world, man, like sometimes people say some things where it's like, did you mean to say it like that? Like you have no idea what sacrifices I made to get to where I'm at, mm. you know? And I mean, majority of our, um, population is 14 to 16, 17. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna let it go. Cause you're young. All right. But that wasn't cool. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You probably deal with a lot of that with kids. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of these guys are really high-level athletes, man. Like, And so I was just telling another coach the other day, like, you tell a kid he's good and that he's great and that he's elite, and then you keep telling him that for years, like, there's going to be some – there's going to be an ego there. Yeah. Right? So it's like how do you how do you create that, that um, knowledge that – or how do you let them know that you care about them, but they've got to show that respect as well, mm -hmm. you know? That's yeah. that's the biggest struggle right now. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, man. High level young athletes are an interesting 
breed of people in that you have to have confidence to perform at high level. Yeah. But you also need to balance that in everyday life and have a little humility. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how do you teach that to a young person? Yeah. It's tough. I think maybe I think about that more now than ever just because, like, my kids, they're 14 and 12. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just fucking weird, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Half the time I have to talk to myself like, they're 13. They're 14. Yeah. You know, it's, it's especially in the weight room when they're fucking around and they're not, you know, following the program. It's like, they're kids. Yeah. Let them let them be kids. Yeah. They're getting their work in. Like, they might be running around and, you know, shouting at each other and joking around and, you know, wrestling in between sets. It's like, it's fine. They're kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're not, they're not the high level professional athlete. Yeah. Yet. Not yet. That's that's the goal for a lot of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. Man, is that weird having to deal with, uh, I mean, or not even weird, but do you ever come across kids, and I'm sure you do, but who just, they're not really kind of living in reality or their parents aren't living in reality of, of what the capabilities of this kid is? Oh, man, all the time. All the time where we'll get, we'll get um, emails or messages and it's like, hey, my kid is a high-level soccer athlete, you know blah 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 like she'd love to try out a sports performance session and then the kid comes in obviously not into the sport like doesn't not does not want to be there mm. and that the, the parents living trying to live through their kid is like yeah you know he's playing at the highest level for his club um he's got skills training four times a week i want him to do two strength trainings a day and then we got tournaments on the weekends it's like your kid doesn't even want to be here mm-hmm you know, like, you got to snap back into reality. Like, let your kid be a kid. Mm. You know, let him have a sleepover with his friends. Let him have pizza for breakfast. Shoot. It's that overbearing parent. Yeah. Yeah, living vicariously through there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they probably see a lot of that. Yeah. But I've noticed with just being in, in martial arts for so long, mm-hmm. uh, how many people had just have a – a weird idea perception of what they're fully capable of. I mean, I'm sure you felt that like when boxing, right? You probably had some kids come in. They think they know how to fight. They've been in some street fights. You think you're tough, but then it's like, all right, let's start adding some footwork. Let's start adding some, some rounds to this. You got to be here for a long time and do this thing. And Mm -hmm. it's different. You start getting hit or you start getting choked. It's it's a, the idea that you have of what you're capable of doing is so off. I had a, you know, somebody, this guy, uh, all, all growing up, he swore to me. He was just was like, if I just stuck with this thing, I would, I'd probably be, you know, the best at it. He thought he was just the best fucking, you know, baseball player ever because he was probably really good when he was, you know, like eight years old or shit. <laughs> it's like, bro, we're fucking high school. Yeah, we're past high school uh, now. And it's over, buddy. It's like, dude, um, I see you as an athlete, and you're not very athletic. So. <laughs> So to think that if maybe and maybe you shouldn't shit on people's things, but my my only thing is just that there are just so many people who just have these ideas. Like I did this thing whenever I was a kid, and I was really great at it. But it's like, were you good at it, or did you just think you were good at it? Like maybe you were good at it, but that doesn't mean it's gonna. You know, you're just going to uh, go up the steady path of just yeah. being awesome at this thing. Right. It's just the the perception that people have of their own abilities can be so far off sometimes. Dude, I was I was that kid, like, you know, getting into street fights and winning the street fights and everything, and then you go into a boxing gym and trying to stay out of trouble. It's like, yeah, I know how to fight. And I remember session one, my coach was like, throw a jab, and 
he, it was the ugliest punch he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> so, I th- so I threw a jab, dropped my hand, got smacked in the face yeah. with a with a mitt, and he was like, "You don't know how to fight." No. So so that was a that was a wake up call for me, where it's like, okay, I got some I got some stuff to learn, um, but I also had the attitude that, um, boxing needed to succeed in that sport, mm. and I think. A lot of these kids need a, that humbling experience first, and then second, they have to have that attitude where it's like, okay, I'm not as good as I think I am, but I can be. Yes. And so, so let me put in the work. Right. And those are the guys that I want to work with. Those are the girls I want to work with. Like, they know they're talented, but they know they can be even more, and they want to be in the gym. They want to um, spend the extra hour trying to get better when everyone else is, you know, it's kind of screwing around. Yeah. That's that's what makes my job awesome, man. Yeah, you see those people who actually want to do the work. Yeah. 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 Learning is a process. You can get better at pretty much anything. Yeah. Once you learn that. Everyone's a beginner at some point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just whether or not you want to look bad doing the thing. <laughs> For real. That's, that's the <laughs> hardest part, man, is um, willing to look terrible for the first, for first few months. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Do you still box? Um, I haven't. So, not even for like fitness or anything like that. Just kind for, of for for fitness, I do. Um, as far as competition, I stopped in my early twenties. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I had over sixty fights over the years. Oh wow! Yeah, so That's a lot of boxing matches. So eight years, sixty fights, something like that. Yeah, you're doing um, a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it, I remember it was after a match. I was in my early twenties. Like, man, I I. I could possibly go pro, pro if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but it was after a match. I was already starting to um, start slurring my words a little bit, so I was like, "Okay, that's weird." Mm-hmm. And then I saw this kid, man. He was like twenty eight, twenty nine, and he was just sitting in, um, sitting down watching the boxing matches with brain damage, shaking, Parkinson's, and I was like, "Yo, this is a wake up call for me. Like, do I do I want to pursue my sport even more and possibly end up like that, or do I want to?" Be able to hold my kid, or right. uh, or play with my grandkids. So I was like, I want to, pl- I want to hold my kid. I want to play with my grandkids. I yeah, I get that. Yeah, I stopped fighting because I was worried about my brain too much. Yeah, it's like man, it's just not worth it. Yeah, you come from a place where, <clears throat> uh, I think Hawaiians and <clears throat> you know just people from like like the island people in general, yeah, are known for fighting. And having you know thick skulls, thick like you know like Mart- <laughs> like, <laughs> like whether it's like you know the Aussies or yeah uh, or the Kiwis or you know yeah people just fucking hard ass people who fight, bro. It's people it's, from the islands are known for that. It's warrior culture, man. Like um, people from New Zealand, the Maoris, you know, they're known for the haka, which is a war dance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, our entire culture, just like how um, the Pacific Islands was even. Um, uh, col- not colonized, but was kind of that cultural identity was formed was through warfare, mm. right? And I mean, at the end of the day, we're more similar than anything else. But yeah, Samoans are known for being the biggest, baddest motherfuckers out there. The Maoris known for being ready to fight and most notice Hawaiians, same thing. So yeah, man, it's it's a cultural identity for us. Yeah, it's like like I don't think. When when you think of you know fighters from the island, like they don't get knocked out, like they knock people, oh, no. like they knock yeah. people out, like they got like thick, they're thicker people, they have thicker skulls. Yeah, 
Is this a hearty? You come from hearty people, dude. Appreciate, uh, <laughs> appreciate which that, man. kind of alludes to that what you're talking about, right? People go to Hawaii and they think it's all, it's all sunshine and tourists, and like that's kind of like one face of it. But then you kind of get to the underbelly, like the true essence of the island where the people who are there. Yeah. And it's like it's oh, it's a hard people. Yeah. They work hard. They, you know, it, it's kind of I. The more you learn about things, you kind of realize like how fucked up things are, and how like, the people who are from Hawaii, like, they're all pushed to to shitty spots, and they don't yeah. even, they don't get the best property, and yeah, it's like you don't really get to enjoy this place. Yeah, and that plays a big uh, part in it, where you know, like the fighters' mentality, right? There's a lot of that fresh frustration happening. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big proponent of of kick everybody out and you know it's just hawaiians on in hawaii it's like no there's there's room for everybody but i think things could definitely change where locals and indigenous people have a little bit of a better shot Mm. on um better property better uh um education because hawaii is ranked 50th out of 50 states in public education we are dead last dude yeah that's horrific. Yeah. I mean, this episode is brought to you by Strange Donuts. Listen, if you're in the St. Louis area, you got to check them out. It doesn't matter which location you go to. There's four of them in the city. You can go to Creefcore, Maplewood, Kirkwood, or just across the river in Edwardsville, Illinois. Doesn't matter which one you go to because the donuts are delicious at all of them. And let me tell you something. Every weekend, there's some sort of new flavor creation. You will be so stoked that you check these guys out. Hands down, one of my favorite guilty pleasures. Anytime I'm traveling, I got to find the best donuts in the city. And when you are in my city, St. Louis, you got to check out Strange Jonas. So, again, check them out. Let them know that we sent you. You don't get anything for telling them that we did send you, but they do know that you listened to the show and we got you in the store. So, go do yourself a favor and get you some Strange Donuts today. This episode is brought to you by Imposed Will. Go check us out at imposedwill.com. We have a full line of apparel. We just dropped our free flow shorts for all my jujitsu and active people out there if you're running or swimming or rolling jujitsu or fighting or anything in between you just want to wear a nice comfy pair of shorts that look cool you don't even have to be doing any of the other stuff you just want to look good come check us out imposedwill.com we are also hosting all of the goods and apparel for the show so if you want a coffee mug or a hoodie or something that says outside perspective on it you can get it there as well so one more time go check us out imposedwill.com public education isn't really the best as a, <laughs> as, a as a whole dude. yeah so think about the worst one yeah one dude you, dude that's got to be rough yeah yeah which could probably you know make some kids pretty pissed off and oh, like want to go do other things other than just sitting here <laughs> learning right right dang dude dang yeah so what? i think leaving hawaii was actually pro- probably the best thing for my development mm-hmm. yeah see more of the world did you travel a lot when you were young yeah um so First generation immigrant, like I was telling, like I was telling you mm-hmm. earlier. Um, so mixed Filipino Hawaiian. So saw a lot of the Philippines. Got to travel a lot around there. Got to live in Korea for two months, South Korea. Um, and then got to visit Japan for yeah, specify that Korea. Yeah, I was like, not North Korea. <laughs> um, got to visit Japan for two to three weeks, and then you know made my way to the United States as the whole uh, visa thing was happening. 
and I mean just experiencing different cultures and and seeing how other people did things and that the world didn't revolve around me and and Hawaiians and Filipinos and that there's actually a whole other culture that's just as cool and just as unique mm. as you. It's definitely humbling. It gives you a different perspective. Yeah. Is there a memory that sticks out where, you know, you were traveling and you're like, whoa, like you completely kind of expanded your horizon on something? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind? Yeah. Um, go- getting to South Korea for the first time. First off, South Korea is so freaking cool. Really? Yeah, but um, we were staying in Seoul, South Korea, and... Growing up in the Philippines, I was in the biggest metropolitan area called Quezon City. Okay. Uh, right beside Manila, which is the capital. And so all I saw were um, the slums because my family was super poor growing up. And getting to South Korea and seeing how people lived and seeing, you know, how people weren't in survival mode all the time. It was like, whoa, okay. That was the first one. And then in college, I got to study abroad. And that was a a big catalyst for me um being able to go to italy and it's like holy shit yeah this is this is this is pretty freaking awesome what about italy you thought was so awesome or stuck out it was just the history behind it and the culture and the people like i mean i'm a brown guy right and i mean people are coming up to me and treating me with like total respect not wanting to get money or anything it's like hey do you need some water do you need this just the italians showing that kindness man and like going to um these museums and seeing um the mona lisa uh, not the mona lisa but seeing um david's statue mm-hmm. and seeing the sistine chapel in rome and everything like that it's like whoa yeah, i bet the world is way bigger than um ever beach hawaii <laughs> dude and that that particular part of the world is just so ancient. Yeah. Dude, you know, like, here in America, this is such a young country. I mean, right. obviously, you can, if you go, you know, especially if you go, like, you know, like, out west, like, towards Utah and Arizona and stuff and kind of look in the desert, you know, they have, um, you can see some pretty cool old-ass things. Yeah. But when you go to Europe, and I've never been there, but there's just, fa- there's this foundation of civilization that's just yeah. so old that isn't here. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. I'm sure that's just a, a probably a, a, a mind-expanding experience for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, like, half the time I was thinking, it's like, man, like, the Romans lived here. Like, they ate, lived, breathed, trained here. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I walked up the same steps as, you know, probably a Roman soldier back 2,000 years ago. And, I mean, half the time we were in broken old castles. And you could just see the architecture and you see the aqueducts and you see the Colosseum. And it's like, people really made this 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like that's so freaking cool. Dude, so. I think about how you ever, you ever like look into like how old civilization is and some of the thoughts like, you know, like Graham Hancock and different things. I haven't heard of that. one. So Graham Hancock yeah. is a, um, he's an author mm-hmm. and he, he wrote a book. I can't remember when this is called, um, f- I think it's fingerprints of the gods. Fingerprints. Yeah. Jamie. I think this is his first book is fingerprints of the gods. Yeah. So fingerprints of the gods was his first book and he wrote that in, um, what year did he write this book? 95. And essentially, he just, he was, um, 
he was just hypothesizing that, you know, there are civilizations that are much older than, you know, we give credit for. Right. And um, he didn't really have, uh, he was like using like the pyramids and he, he gave some examples, but he didn't have like a ton of like concrete evidence at that time. And then comes along this guy named um, uh, Randall Carlson, who mm. is an architect by trade, but he's basically like a self-taught geologist and he studies, you know, asteroidal impacts and all of these things. Yeah. And, um, and it, with a lot of the evidence, so with kind of combining Graham Hancock's kind of theories and the, his studies and travels mm-hmm. and whatnot with this hard evidence, a lot of things are pointing to, you know, there's a major asteroidal impact, you know, the, the Younger Dryas about 10,000 years ago, which it's kind of like this major reset mm-hmm. in human history. And then as we kind of study, it's kind of looking like there's been like three or four major human civilization that's wild resets that's wild man and like you know there's this uh there's this temple called gobekli tepe in Mm -hmm. like turkey and that's being dated you know to ten thousand years old and the the architecture is so advanced so just the idea that man there are just such ancient civilizations that we probably don't have any idea about. And, and there's probably some catastrophe that possibly yeah. wiped it all out. You know, it, yeah. it kind of blows my mind how awesome humans are and yeah. how long we probably have been here. and have How resilient done, we are. Yeah, we've done some crazy shit, yeah. man. Makes me wonder if, like, you know, the legend of Atlantis is real. He So that's one of the things he talks about a lot. And, you know, there are so many mythologies yeah um of like just disappearing cities and just the rain you know uh you know f- uh flood myths from yeah. all different cultures all around the world so most likely again kind of according to graham hancock you know there's there's a lot of different evidence to show that probably things like atlantis or they, they did exist you know what mm-hmm. i mean like just the idea that the the earth is stagnant and the way things are now is how it's always been or is always going to be. It's just it's it's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we we build cities on coasts right. that get ravished by you know disasters all the time, whether yeah. it's a, a, a tidal wave or a yeah. hurricane. You know, who's to say something isn't going to change? Yeah. you know what I mean. And I just I just saw this video the other day. It was like a time lapse video, and it was it was an image of Dubai in 1997, and it was like desert a few buildings and then time last video started and like over the years you see how dubai kind of expands out into the sea and uh into the dubai the dubai that we see today and it's like bro that was 20 years like we've been here ten thousand years that's a lot of time to for civilizations to rise and fall and you know all these different changes to happen um one of my favorite uh things that i've learned or are theories that I've learned as far as um, big civilizations that have existed before is back in the day when Egypt was like the superpower of the known world, right? It was separated into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And for whatever reason, um, nobody knows like the exact concrete cause, but that southern kingdom kingdom just like kind of fell away and dried out. And now what we know as Egypt today is the northern kingdom. Mm. And so it's like, Dude, like civilizations, man, it yeah comes and goes. Yeah, dude. So, have you seen or heard anything about um, 
like the Amazon. So they've done, I think it's like LiDAR or whatever, where they've, they've, they've sent these, you know, these uh, rays like down into the Amazon. And they basically have mapped out these huge cities and civilizations that were in the Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea that a, a lot of that vegetation that's like overgrown, all of that, like what we know as the Amazon, isn't a natural thing. I think the, the plants were brought there yeah. And then maybe something happened, wiped out everybody, and then it just they just overgrew and just yeah. overtook everything, dude. Dude, one of my favorite videos, like it's it's one of those what if videos. Mm -hmm. It's like what if humans disappeared, and it's like ten year, or five months from now, windmills are gonna stop functioning or whatever. And it's like at some point, it's like twenty years after humans disappeared, like vet, uh, nature has reclaimed its territory, and it's everything. like and it's like vegetation everywhere. There's no there's no proof that humans ever existed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with how old the Amazon is, I wouldn't put it past it. Dude, the earth, I always think, you know, the earth will be fine, but <laughs> the, the humans won't. <laughs> right. Like, we may go, but the earth will still probably keep doing this unless it, I don't know, it just explodes or some yeah. shit. I don't know. I mean, going back to that humbling thing, right? Like, that's something that I've had to tell myself and, and kind of um, um, realize is humans by nature, we're fragile. Mm -hmm. And like, and we're here for a short time, like 80, 90, 100 years at the most, but we make everything about ourselves. And so I've had to fight and be like, Hey, I'm just one person, just one guy, just trying to make my way in the world. At the end of the day, I'm part of something way bigger than I could ever comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, an important perspective to have in that. Yeah. I'm reading this book um, called The Fourth Turning, and it's 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 it was written by these uh what's it, Will, this guy named William Strauss and Neil Howe. They wrote it in like '97. It's mm -hmm. talking about just the cycles of history and how there's there's these different ways of looking at history, and in, in general, we kind of tend to look at things as like linear, right? But really, it's like it's cyclical, and there's these archetypes within these generations, and these these kind of goes in this wheel. Yeah, and. Uh, and one of the things that they're talking about kind of where we are now is there's been this big shift of like the idea of the collective to the idea of like the individual where everything's all about like the individual at the detriment almost of the collective. Right. And we're kind of seeing this this turning again to where people are kind of going back towards the collective again. But the but, – What's scary, at least for me, we were talking about how yeah. I always default to freedom. What's scary about going back to that collective is that I think it's important to kind of put yourself as an individual aside to to do well for the whole. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with like being patriotic and proud of your country right. and wanting Absolutely. your country to be the best or to do well. But whenever you start telling people to, I don't know, it's, there's this balance I think that needs to be between the individual and the collective to right. where it's like, it's not always all about the individual. And I think there's some past generations who really put the individual selves aside for the collective, you know, of America. Yeah. And we're reaping a lot of those benefits now. So I think it's important to, to still have that, but not so much so to where you put yourself into like a voluntary, you know, like dictatorship or right. authoritarian regime. And right. then there is no individual anymore. It's all collective. Yeah, man. I mean, what's that, what's that saying? It's, um, Tough times make strong men. Strong men make 
Easy good, times. Easy times. Good times. Or, yeah. Good whatever. times and then good times make weak men. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in good times right now. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what does that tell you? Yeah, dude. It's, um, we're, we're definitely kind of going to them. They, they say you go from a high into an awakening, into this unraveling, into a crisis, back mm. into the high. It's kind of this cycle, this yeah. cycle. And like, according to them, kind of right now, because they wrote that in 97, and it was kind of predicting this fourth turning. They're right. saying like roughly like from like 84 to 2005, because they wrote this in 97, so they kind of put question mark 2005. Because um, roughly a turning is roughly every like 20 to 25 years-ish. Mm. And, um, and they kind of talk about how in each of these turnings, what's really different is how is the life stage that each generation is in because a generation is roughly like 20 years and mm -hmm. how that each generation based off their archetype will respond to these different things that are always occurring so that's right. kind of like the differences often but um yeah man i don't know i don't know i lost my fucking point <laughs> i lost my point with these turnings and uh what, 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 you said something we were talking about how time was cyclical and you know there was um we're at there was the High point, the awakening, the unraveling, and then there's a crisis. Yeah, well, yeah, I think maybe my only point is, so yeah, I think kind of now we're like in this this crisis mode where yeah. everything is, um, yeah, because what they were saying is like 2005 was kind of like this unraveling, and they give these examples of how it was like this kind of coming apart of society of like getting a, away from things of the past and now mm -hmm. we're kind of like in this crisis mode mm -hmm. and shit dude i don't think anybody would argue like there hasn't been a lot of crisis things happening as of late whether according to them they were kind of put in around 2005 ish so maybe the crisis would have started around you know the afghan war yeah you know 9-11 maybe that was the start of the crisis and now we're just coming to the end of the crisis but i don't know man i just feel like we're in the crisis still <laughs> well, i mean we were we were talking earlier like the 2020s have been weird it's been yeah, such a weird man. time. It's, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's crisis after crisis after crisis, right? Like COVID, you got, you know, everything that's occurring, Ukraine. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, can we have a normal year? Like, just what's going on, dude? You know, it's <laughs> it's one minute, it's they're sending all this foreign money, all yeah. this money to Ukraine. And then on the same note, we're not helping our own people here. We got businesses closing down. Bro. And then on <laughs> right? And then on the same note, we go back a little bit further trying to say that everybody needs to do this needs to take this one vaccine for this thing. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't care what you think or feel, just do the right. thing. And now you you come fast forward to today where kind of that issue where you have Everybody wants to pick sides, right? Some people yeah. are like, well, my body, my choice. Don't tell me to take a vaccine. Yeah. And there are people like, well, just help everybody because you're killing people if you don't because it's yeah. the collective, right? Yeah. And then fast forward to today where you got certain people, you have like the Republicans where they're like, well, we're going to get rid of abortions. There's no reason for any type of abortion. And then those same people who wanted you to, to take a vaccine, now they're saying, now it's my body, my choice. And we're just it's, in such weird places to we're, where we're, we're the middleman, dude. Everybody wants yeah. to pick a side and be right, and I'm yeah. just like, hey man, what just happened to freedom? Right. Like, well, let's just all be cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why we have because this thing in America, this thing called freedom, is an experiment. If you look at human history, most of it's dictatorships and authoritarianism and monarchs. It's yeah. not the individual having the ability to be free and to pursue something of meaning and happiness to them. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I don't know, man, it just seems like everybody's yeah. at their throats and I, it wants to be right. It's like, man, let's just be free. I think I was reading something where, 
I, I think America is the oldest democratic social experiment ever. Mm. At, I mean, how old are we? 246, 247 Somewhere, 200-something years. Yeah, but it's like the oldest. Um, I mean, and what the quote was, it was an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the oldest democratic social experiment or whatever. I think my thing is, I think people have just far, forgotten to how to talk to each other. Yeah. And how to have empathy. You know, it's like, why does this issue bother you? Right. And how is this issue affecting you? Okay, well, here's my thought process. Let's meet in the middle. But now everyone's kind of like fucking far left or fucking far right. And it's like, if you're on the left, you're an idiot. If you're on the right, you're an idiot. It's like, Jesus Christ. Where's the conversation happening? Man? Right. <laughs> A fanatic on either side is the same. It yeah. doesn't It doesn't matter. It does, they're the same person. Yeah. They really are. Um, I read this thing talking about how you can't really reason with the fanatic. You can't. Yeah. You can't kind of bring them to a, a place of like a general consensus. All you can really do is convert a fanatic. Right. So you can you can take them from one extreme to the next usually. Right. And, and you see that oftentimes where, for example, somebody who maybe is an addict, they're, yeah. they're very fanatical about ex- maybe escaping reality to, you know, by by way of pick a substance Mm -hmm. what oftentimes you'll see when somebody is recovering from an addict they'll go fucking balls deep into something else they'll become uh they'll become a workout addict or they'll become uh super religious or they'll dive into their work but it's it's never like this gradual thing it's just one conversion to the next yeah and those people are just scary people not saying like in that instance but a fanatic whenever you just you buy into something and you just fully you don't question anything. Yeah. It's scary. It's almost like a um, a form of escapism, right? Like the per- the individual is not willing to confront themselves and look in the mirror and try and fix whatever inner wound is on the inside. And so we're going from addiction, let's say addiction, to fitness. And so fitness is just an um, – if you're working out eight hours a day, seven days a week, it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Or you're going from maybe alcohol to something a little bit better for you. At the end of the day, that working out three, four hours, eight hours a day is still a form of escapism. Mm-hmm. And you're just scared of being alone with your thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's what it comes down to. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to confront that part of themselves because they're afraid of seeing exactly how much work they have to do. It's, it's comfortability. People are comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's okay, well, I'm not drinking anymore, so I'm just going to go work out every single day and not have a, I have not have a rest day and, and you know, break my body down. And if I don't work out every day, I'm weak, right? And it's it's another form of addiction. It's not wanting to sit down. It's like, okay, why am I hurting? Why do I have anxiety? Why do I have, why do I have depression? Why, why am I what I am? Yeah. Right? And... That takes work, man. It takes guts to sit down and be like, okay, this is me. This is what makes me tick. This is what pushes my buttons. How do I grow from this? Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone's just escapism to escapism to escapism. Right. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I mean, that's why um, streaming is so pop- popular, right? Like Netflix and all these different things um, people binge watch to escape. So... That's my thought. Went off on a tangent there. No, no, you didn't. No, you're you're right on, dude. No, here's the thing. You know, kind of tying into that, I think a lot of people will gravitate towards these mass movements 
and yeah. and things like like socialism or communism right. or and because the human tendency and it's really scary actually a lot of people will will trade security they'll trade their freedom for security mm-hmm. right they'll trade having to take responsibility for making a choice mm-hmm to have somebody else just tell them what to do. Right. So that way they can just say, Hey, it was out of my hands. I didn't, I didn't make that choice. You know, you're essentially, people will trade their freedom just for, just to get away from the consequences of being a failure. Right. Right. Or from experiencing failure from their choices. Right. And it's a very scary thing. I don't know why you would, you would trade freedom for comfort in that way, but people do it. People yeah. do it, and I think you're. I think you're probably right. I think it probably does go back to not looking internally at yourself and having those hard conversations. Yeah. Do you ever do anything like, um, like take like going with like a, like float tanks or meditate or anything to kind of have those talks with yourself? Or how did you kind of get to that realization? Yeah, man. Um. So, I've, like I said, I've been into longboarding a lot, and so. I have never been in a float tank. I really want to, though. I think that's super freaking cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I'm an introvert, right? So with my career um, involving pouring my energy into people and, you know, pouring from my cup and motivating this individual who wants to lose weight and motivating this athlete and motivating so-and-so, like, I really had to take a step back and, and prioritize um, self-reflection and and meditating and you know taking 10 minutes out in the morning just to kind of be with myself um that's that's how i've kind of approached that and then as well as just kind of um, going out of my longboard and going to creve court park and longboarding around and just not being at work just so that i do have the mental capacity and energy to pour into other people um and be there for them in the way that they need me to be Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you take just the time to be alone. Yeah. And enjoy and and do the things that you enjoy. Yeah. Kind of as a self care practice. Yeah. I probably should try yoga or, you know, a little bit more meditation, but it's a start. Man, you know, there's only so many hobbies that you can do. Yeah. There's only so much time. There's only so many things you can get into. But I think taking the time to to just be with yourself and your thoughts, whether yeah. that's sitting still or, you know, some sort of movement practice, whether going for a run or longboarding or yoga or, dude, I'll get so deep. It, it's not really thinking necessarily through my problems, but whenever I go do jujitsu and I go roll, sometimes I'll just get super high and because mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody. Because sometimes <laughs> if I get too high, like, I'm not trying to talk to anybody. Right. I'll, go, I'll just get super high and I'll just go roll jujitsu for an hour. Mm-hmm. And on those days, sometimes I feel a little rude because I'm not necessarily the most chatty. Yeah. But it's just because I'm just trying to just be in my body and be present. Right. And just do this this physical thing and just let my mind just kind of work through things on it. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's not um, I need to be distracted or have these conversations. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, man, I, I live in my head very often. So I think that's an important thing for people to do is just kind of be with themselves. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, reading is a, a big a big part of me. Like, I love reading, which, I mean, is a little outdated nowadays, right? It's like – I love it. I love it. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, a lot of the conversations like, oh, what show are you watching on Netflix or what streaming service do you use? Like, man, I'm I'm reading this book. Yeah. Well, what are you reading? <laughs> um. So I just bought 
this book is called What Makes Us Human. Okay. Um, and so it's a really cool premise. So it was it's this AI this, um, created by these scientists, and basically it spent like four or five years just feeding this this AI like human problems and human solutions and questions and everything like that to kind of help formulate um, basically a database of human behavior, and then. They turned it around and then they started asking it questions like, you know, um, one of the things that I saw that really hooked me on the book is, what are you trying to tell me? Like the scientists were asking the air, what are you trying to tell me? And I'm going to misquote it. But the basic gist was, you know, I want you to, it was something like, I want you to understand that even though you're trapped in a human body, I don't want you to stop trying to free yourself from the limits of it. And not just rely on a divine power, but rely on the love that you have for yourself, for the universe, for everybody else. Because, I mean, it's cheesy, but at the end of the day, love does make the world go round, right? Um, so it, it, the book is based out of questions like that, where it'll ask, what are you trying to tell me? You know, what, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, what is the meaning of life? And it, it will use that database of human behavior and kind of feed it back to you. And that's what the book is about, talking about the whole process or answering some of those questions? Answering some of those questions. Oh, and they just put the answers to those questions in a yeah. book? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt, right? Like, you know, okay, well, it is AI. Right. Um, But at the same time, there's some stuff in there where it's like, man, that's really freaking thought-provoking right yeah but what but you say like it's just ai but what is AI? i mean is it not <laughs> its own maybe sort of life form this thing that us as humans have created and now it has become its own thing and it, through all yeah. this collective information is creating different ideas and thoughts and outputs than you know that are unique to it it could be man like now we're getting to like irobot 2050 oh that's where we're headed <laughs> it feels like it right yeah man it could be man like i think we underestimate our ability ability to create mm -hmm. right and just say the, ter the term just ai probably was the wrong term but man i would not put it past us to create a sentient non-organic being right at some point in the future we seem to be headed that way it's weird yeah, it's, it's cool but it's weird yeah you know every sci-fi movie kind of warns you about just <laughs> the curiosity of humans yeah why are you experimenting on that thing you're doing the thing you know creating the button that's about to fucking destroy the world that yeah. you know somebody will push at some point yep uh so it's just it's scary it's so scary dude dude, dude. it's we're living in interesting times, man. We're living in very interesting times. Yeah. And it's very relevant to a lot of people in that we just had a very big shutdown, and there is a lot of speculation that a good reason for that was gain-of-function research, which mm -hmm. is you know taking a known virus and, and pairing it with another known virus to make it more contagious for humans, essentially. Yeah. You know, something that might not be dangerous with something that is dangerous, and how does that affect humans? The question is, why are we doing that? Right. Why do we need to make this thing that isn't dangerous dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> just out of curiosity. Well, it might happen. Well, it might not ever happen if you just leave it alone. Right. Like, there should be a limit to human curiosity. It's like, I think in some regards. There should be. I mean, 
one of the coolest things that um, I just learned is nukes a big topic right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, with Russia doing their thing. Right. And, I mean, China doing their thing and us, like, pushing their buttons or, yeah. you know, however you want to see it. North Korea has nukes too, right? I think they're trying to build something. See, dude. I mean, they get nukes. <laughs> come Bro, on. Come, come on. on. But, uh, so, from what I understand, and disclaimer, I'm not a scientist. You're <laughs> not a scientist? I, I, you didn't know that? <laughs> I you published some papers. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, nu- nuclear weapons are so powerful because they split the atom apart. And that energy is coming from that splitting that atom apart. One of the best sources of energy and probably would uh, set us on a course for another technological boom is nu- nuclear fusion. Because nu- um, nuclear bombs are used by nuclear diffu- diffusion. Nuclear fusion is putting atoms together and getting the energy from them. And it's like 100% clean energy Um it's unlimited right so not like limited resources like coal or oil or anything like that and you can use it for forever right right so it's like why are we using so much money and putting all of our time on research on how to make nukes way more destructive than it already is and why are we not turning it around and using it on nuclear fusion for sustainable sustainable energy for everybody that could solve world hunger solve a shit ton of problems that we have right but again human nature man going back to that warrior mentality at the end of the day we're violent people (laughs) (laughs) i used to have such a uh, uh, misconception of nuclear power and that i always thought because you hear about like three mile island and and chernobyl and it's like man is this thing just going to melt down and cause havoc but then you learned, you know, at least for me, at least I learned that, you know, that was one quite a while ago. I think it happened like the 80s. I think Chernobyl was in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's like you know, 40 years later, we have much better technology and understanding. Mm-hmm. And and nuclear energy, is, that's your point, is actually very safe and clean. Right. You know, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. We're such destructive creatures. <laughs> We're such Humans yeah. fascinate me, bro. That's something I'm really getting into is like the psychology of humans and why people are the way they are. And like um, the Enneagram is a big one I've been using with my friends. The what? The Enneagram. What's that? So it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs personality test. Okay. It's a little bit more in depth, but you got one. Um, it's basically archetypes, right? You got types one through eight, and then you have subtypes. So for example, I'm, I'm four wing three, right? And... You take this test and it like basically gives you the rundown of why you are what you are. It's not like horoscopes where it's like Libra rising, um, Mercury, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's literally like this is your thought process. This is because your th- thought process is this way. Your personality is like this. Mm. And then because your personality is like this, your actions are like this. Right, and it's it's a great way of self reflection and 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 kind of confronting yourself on why again why are you the way you are, and then it also gives you like a list of historical figures of of who was a of who was a four wing three or a five wing six. Mm. So it's a really really in depth um, 
psychoanalysis of you as an individual. It's pretty awesome. Really? It kind yeah. of talks about some of your traits and, and what leads to some of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's worth checking out. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of self-reflection, kind of asking myself, you know, why do I think a certain way or feel a certain way or react a certain thing? And I mean, you start kind of going down the path of, you know, like, you know, like epigenetics and environment mm. and, you know, wh whether it's, there's just so many theories, whether it's determinism or free will or there's just so, honestly, you know, you talked about horoscopes and sh dude, honestly, man, I, I used to scoff at that, but now <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to keep more of an open mind just to, the wisdom and knowledge of humans that's yeah. that's ancient yeah because for example think about how much information is in the stars i mean for the longest time that's how we navigated right the world yes yeah. through the stars we can we can know an exact time in history based off the position of a constellation wild bro dude there's just crazy there's so much information so I, sometimes i wonder you know is it just the hubris of our established uh, society that kind of scoffs at certain things, mm -hmm. you know, ancient wisdom and whatnot. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's just horoscope. It's just mumbo jumbo. Yeah. And it does get kind of woo-woo-y and kind of weird. But I'm, I'm starting to become just more open to the idea like, man, there's probably some, some wisdom in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. I think at the very root and like what true horoscope is yeah i think for sure there's wisdom there yeah a reason why i scoffed that is just because some of the girls that i've dated is like oh yeah <laughs> of course no it, it means <laughs> I, I need to get no cheese on my, yeah. my sandwich today <laughs> and it said that somebody was gonna come across my life so yeah yeah this is mr right so you gotta go dave because mr right just came because my horoscope said <laughs> yep exactly it's like all right well there we go. See ya. These are my winning numbers in the lottery. It's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that that kind of horoscope being used in that way kind of yeah. twisted it for it me. It gets weird. It, yeah. And I mean, it, at sometimes it just gets kind of used as justification for shitty behavior. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it like, okay. It's like, what are we doing here? You're just being a <laughs> shitty person now. I don't care if you're a cancer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's weird, man. Uh, people will, will look for excuses uh, for sure, but I think maybe it's just because I'm getting older. I'm just trying to realize that there's just a certain amount of hubris, especially when you're a young person. Yeah. And as you just get older, you just start realizing it's like the whole Dunning Kruger effect. You know, you just you you don't. There's so much I don't know. There's way more I don't know. I'm an idiot in so many regards, yeah. and sometimes I'll I'll think about the like the opinions i have or the thoughts i have and it's, it's like man is that true is it right like am i just being an idiot uh, maybe i would maybe i shouldn't have been so quick to take a stance there i need to maybe make uh maybe i just need to do more research or just just be more open because yeah, yeah i just i i've definitely been guilty of just thinking i know it <laughs> oh bro well i mean you you competed and everything right and it's 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 our ego Kind of, mm -hmm. kind of rising up. It's like, man, I did this, I did this. Of course, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then self reflect, just like, oh man, I was actually kind of wrong there. Yeah. You know. So I, I think that's where reading comes in. It yeah. gives you a lot of time to self reflect. Yeah. And it's calming, man. Yeah. Like, like after a long day of training and just working, it's like, man, I just need a good book, some good, good uh, glass of whiskey, and then 
chill the fuck out. And there is a difference between because I'm typically reading a book and also listening to something different yeah. on, on audio, but there really is a difference. Like sitting down and physically reading something right. does something for you that listening to a book does not. Right. Um, I think I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Andrew Huberman, mm-hmm. and he was explaining that the eyes, like your eyes, are a part of your brain. Like we tend to think of them mm-hmm. as like like we have a brain and we have eyes. Like no, like the your eyes are a piece of your brain. It's yeah. just the only portion of your brain that's exposed outside of your skull. Yeah. So I think there really is something to using your eyes and physically reading this thing. Yeah. It's like a muscle, right? You know. You can learn something by listening and doing and whatnot, but it's not the same as forcing yourself to sit down and focus and read the mm-hmm. words. Your brain gets better at it. You yeah. process information quicker. I'm way faster at reading than I used to be. Yeah. I try to tend to, I I try to make sure I get ten pages in a day. I yeah. just kinda set that as my rule. And I'm reading way fucking faster, dude. I had this uh I had this Anthony Robbins book, Tony mm-hmm. Robbins, The Waking the Giant Within. It's such an old book. Yeah. But it's like five hundred pages and I just had it sitting on my shelf just I was like, fuck that <laughs> Intimidating. I'm like, Oh my god, okay, if I read ten pages a day, it's gonna take me fifty days. <laughs> okay, we could do this. <laughs> dude, I probably picked up a couple weeks ago, I'm already three hundred pages in. It's actually a super easy to read. Yeah. I'm speed reading the fuck out of it. But um you just you just sit down, you do it, and you get better at it. And it's, yeah. it's not as daunting as sometimes our mind will make us believe. Yeah. And, I mean, that's something that I learned in college is just, like, actually doing something with your hands and with your eyes. Like, helped me to retain a lot of information way better than just typing it out on a computer. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I, I was that, you know, stereotypical college freshman, like, brand new laptop, went, went into class, autopilot mode, just typing whatever the teacher said. And, I mean, dude, I was bombing my classes. I was like, I don't remember her talking about this. Mm. And so I was like, okay, let's just, let's switch it up. So I went old school, bro. Like spiral notebook, writing down the notes, like Cornell notes and everything, and writing down the information. And, like, just that act of itself of writing down and thinking about what I'm writing down made everything click. Yeah. Yeah. You learned how to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a skill. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm in class. I'm going to take notes. But I'm thinking about what I'm going to do the rest of the day. Right. I'm going to think about what I'm going to have for lunch, right? So actually sitting down and forcing yourself to be present, it's like, it's a lost art, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm sensing this theme where, like, you're you're always just trying to be present and you're, you do a lot of self-reflection, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. You live inside your head. Oh, absolutely. To like, a detriment. <laughs> absolutely, man. Like, um, I remember, so I wear contacts, right? So I remember when I first started boxing, like, all right, well, I'm going to go pro. How many pros wear contacts when they fight? All right, they have this. All right, so I'm going to have to have LASIK surgery at this age to have a chance. And so it's like just anxiety out of, out, of, out of control, man. Just like thinking three years down the road when it hasn't even occurred yet with things that I would need that I don't have. Right. So it's like I've had to, again, going back to self-reflection, it's like to be a functioning human being and to be the best person that I could be for the people that need me to be the best that I could be. I need to slow the fuck down. Okay. Let's be present. Let's, let's today be today. Let's, uh, 2023, August, 2023 be August, 2023. I don't have to worry about that. So it's like, that's future Dave's problem. (laughs) That's a type A personality in you. 
A little bit. Type A. <laughs> work against the clock. Literally. Yeah. So, probably grinding a lot, huh? Yeah. Um, over at work, probably doing 85, 90% of the training. Yeah. Um, we got another coach there doing an awesome job. But, yeah, it's a lot of training, a lot of hanging out with pretty cool people, a lot of social interaction. So. Yeah. Now's the time, though. Yeah, man. I mean, you're 26. Yeah. You found you found what you like to do. Do you ever see yourself opening your own type of clinic or maybe going uh, man, that's, down your own path with it? Yeah, um, that's long-term goal for sure. I mean, right now, my main focus is just growing where I'm at to the best of my ability and being the best fucking coach I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think long-term goal would be really cool to have my own spot, like, you know, 20,000 square feet or whatever. Um uh, elite training facility where all the athletes want to train at and all the gen pop wants to train at. Um, I think that'd be really freaking cool. And then long-term, long-term goal again, see in my head. <laughs> um, now when I'm like in my sixties, man, I think it'd be pretty cool to live in an Italian seaside village, go fishing by the day, have my own little coffee shop, yeah. you know, serve coffee to the tourists and, just chill out. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be real so cool. So those are my two big goals. Is to first have my own sports performance facility. And then when I'm ready to uh, slow down and just enjoy life in my golden years, you know, just be in a seaside village, fishing. Nice. Swimming. Coffee dude, shop. Dude, <laughs> I, have, I have a friend. Um, his name's Mike. And, um, God, Mike is, uh, I think in his early 60s. Yeah. Super fit. Super fucking fit. Like, he's... um. <clears throat> He used to be a celebrity trainer for a really long time. Jeez. And um just I just I I hope I'm like Mike whenever I'm older. He's just yeah. in amazing shape. Um we're run circles around so many people, but he just got back from uh, uh his daughter and her husband live in Malta, which okay. is I think an island off of Italy, I think the peninsula. I think so, yeah. I think so. And uh, he was out there for a couple weeks and he came back and he's like, dude, I think I'm gonna move out there. And I'm like, bro, you should like yeah. move out there as soon as possible. It's kind of like the whole idea, you know. Yeah. He he really liked just kind of being out there, and um, it was a very everyone is super nice and friendly, and yeah. um, is a very active culture, and you just kind of being there on the water, and yeah, you, you kind of explaining exactly what you just explained, and it just made me think of that. I'm like, I know somebody who's doing <laughs> that. He's he's later in his life, and yeah. still plenty fucking young, dude. He probably yeah. has another forty years of life. Yeah, and now he's gonna probably go over there and just, dude, just live it up, dude. And yeah. he does most of his training remote. I think all of it remote. So he was saying how. He'd wake up and he'd go walk and do all the stuff during the day. And because of the time difference, he'd probably around like one o'clock start training people because I think like that's the morning time here. Yeah. So he had his whole first half of his day to do everything else. And then from, I don't know, like one to six or whatever, five for four or five hours, he's yeah. training in the evenings. It was just like this really cool schedule that he loved. Like, Dude, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, one of my big things that I really tried adopting because I got caught up in that culture of grind culture, right? Like entire identity is what I do. It's I'm a coach. This is this is what I know. This is what I do. This is what I love. This is all, the only thing that I do. And I had to kind of wake myself up and be like, dude, the world is way too fucking big to just this be the only thing that you're passionate about, right? Like we're multifaceted beings. And it's okay to have more than one interest and more than one thing you're passionate about. So I love coaching. I love being out in nature. I love the ocean. You know, like, I want to experience all of those things. I don't want to limit myself to working 
50, 60, 70 sessions a week, which I absolutely, again, I absolutely love it. I also want to experience other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more to life than waking up and paying bills. Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Yeah. It's just, it's like kind of finding, like, you know, kind of finding that mix that works best for you. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people like to talk about balance and I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm, I don't know what the Good fuck, luck. I don't know what the fuck that means. Like I'm just all it's just work we grind so like my friends yeah. like my wife and I um we we grind so fucking hard. Yeah. But it's kind of like with the idea of all right, we're going to work really really hard right now for the next 10 years yeah. and then we'll we'll catch up on the backside of things and it's just kind of what what do you want to do and then figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah. you know what's going to make you happy, bro? Yeah, and I think that's that's my biggest goal right now. Is I just want to be happy. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm putting in. I'm putting down the foundation that I need. Yeah, to get there. I'm not saying I'm not happy right now. Yeah, but I think I could be happier. Well, it sounds like you're <laughs> you're you're working really hard right now. Yeah, and then you're working towards so that way you can have maybe a little bit more like balance. Yeah. in those other regards later Absolutely. on. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think for me. Sometimes I have this idea that what I'm doing or what I'm about to do is going to last forever. <laughs> like what's happening? Like this is forever. Right. And really, sometimes it's like no, like this is just for right now. Yeah. And then we can evolve and and adjust and go from there. Different seasons of life, man. And I yeah. think a lot of people put their eggs in one basket in the season of life, and then that season changes, and that's when people kind of get frustrated and burnt out a little bit. Right. So. I don't know. I'm just trying to not live in the future, but just be present, enjoying, enjoying the grind while it's here. Because at some point, I will get married. I will have kids. Fingers crossed. Um, and at some point, I'm gonna want to have. I want to. I'm gonna want to take a step back and not coach as much as I am. Um, so my mindset is, man, I'm enjoying, you know, my 70 session weeks. I'm enjoying yeah. training all these guys because first i'm passionate about it i absolutely love it and second it's not gonna last forever right you know it's there will come a season where i'm gonna be okay with five ten sessions a week yeah and 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 call it a day right so yeah man um things are always evolving yeah yeah gotta evolve with it dave dude we're gonna end on that note that was great (laughs) um bro is there anything that you would like to kind of direct people towards? I'm going to put things in show notes, but if there's anything you want to kind of shout out or direct yeah. people towards or yeah. you know, um, follow you or anything. Yeah. Um, come check us out at Mercy Sports Performance powered by Axel. Love to have you guys, whether you're an athlete, whether you're coming back from in, an injury or you're just gen pop or you just want to come hang out because you think I'm super cool and you want a friend. I'll, I'll be that friend for you. <laughs> um, and then shout out to my boss, Brett Kelly. He's told me he'd give me two free meals if I did this. <laughs> Over there at Clean Eats? Over there at Clean Eats, baby. St. Louis, check them out. Check them out. All right, Dave, thanks again, my man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, dude, anytime, man. All right, everybody, until next time. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. As always, if you're getting value, just do me a favor. Tell a friend. Bring us a new friend for the next episode. I will be eternally grateful if you do. That's all I have, though. Just keep being rad humans. We'll be back very soon with another conversation. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Bye.